uh, be out there tomorrow. Now, we do have something special tonight. Uh, Reverend Love is going to be ministering. He is our evangelist. Why don't you come real quick, Reverend, would you please? And uh, testify. Come on. One portion of Scripture, and you got it. Good. First Corinthians. I don't think you got it, though. 15, and we'll be reading from verse 19. 19. 15 and 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If in this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I want to preach to you this morning, with God's help, on a message entitled, Finding Our Folk S. Finding Our Folk S. Let us pray. Reverend, two weeks, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger? You may be seated. Now, I want to remind you, you're in church this morning, so you can't lie. But I wonder if when I told you my title, you didn't think, he's saying that kind of funny. You did. Now, some of you, perhaps you said, well, I love Pastor Devonshire, whatever he's saying. I know that he's going to get to the message. I'm not going to really pay much attention. Some others probably said, what's wrong with him? Can he speak? Maybe those who are really antagonistic said, that's Devonshire. He can't talk right now. If I was up there, I'd show you how to say the word. But the truth is, I mispronounced the word on purpose because it's the easiest or one of the best ways to share with you what being out of focus is audibly. So close. And yet your mind kind of picked up. That's not really the way to say it, focus. So close, but not exactly. Close enough to know what I meant, but off enough to notice. Close enough to understand the meaning but just different enough to note something is wrong. Now that's the problem, isn't it? Because so many people's lives are close enough that if you look at them closely, you never notice that things aren't quite right. It may kind of float around the back of your mind, but if you love people, you look at them and you just kind of give them grace. He may have an issue, but whatever, whatever. If you have a a heart problem, you probably note when people's lives are out of focus and hold on to it. Hmm. And you're just waiting for the chance where they might blow out so you can say, yeah, I knew it. Or others, perhaps you'd say, I really could do better. But you see, there's something about Focus. 
There's something about when things aren't quite right. Paul said it best when he said in 1 Corinthians, my text, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You see, it's possible in life to have a family, to have a good job, to laugh and love and live. You can be moral. You can have a fulfilling life. You can pay your bills and save for retirement. You can enjoy the holidays with relatives. Everything seems to be great. Well, almost. Almost. And sometimes you can't quite put your finger on it, can you? A lot of times when we get around death, we think a little bit more closely. You're standing there in the funeral and you look at that person and you realize, my time's coming. And there's just this nagging discomfort of not being ready. It's almost there. You know, you can see the picture, you can tell who it is, you can understand, but it's just not sharp. Do you follow me? So when you go to a funeral, you think about what happens after I die. When you think about loved ones that are no longer with us, there's that consideration. Where did they go? Something that's just not quite clear. Now, religion is like that. There's a lot of people that have something that's close. They go to church. They may be given the offering. They may, be, they may sing in the church. They may play an instrument. They may uh, attend three or four times. They've got all of the outward things. I mean, we find that from time immemorial. Why? Because inside of the heart of man, there's this realization that there must be something greater than me. And so even the, the most remote tribes have some, of, some form of worship. They may kill an animal to sacrifice to whatever God is out there because inside they know there's something more. And though their external life may just keep going on through everything, yet spiritually they understand, I know there must be someone greater than I am. It's just something about being a bit out of focus. Religion is close. There's truth. There's morality. There's routine and ritual. You'll find generous people in religion and church. Amen. You'll find sacrificial folks. You'll find people that pray. You'll find people that fast. It's just so close, but not quite. I remember listening to a testimony of a guy. He was a, had been a Mormon, and he had gotten saved. And he said, you know, in, in Mormonism, whenever something wasn't quite right, the answer was just to kind of do more of it, to amp it up. To kind of get busier. But after a while, he went on to say that he, he understood the fact that no matter how many doors he knocked on or how much he had studied their scriptures, something wasn't resonating with his spirit and soul. 
You see, it's only Jesus that can satisfy the soul. It's only Him that can cleanse and make us whole. And so having a wonderful family, having great friends, having a fulfilling purpose, a good job, no matter what it is, those are all great, those are all wonderful, but that still doesn't put us in that crystal clear focus because we were made by God and we were made to have a relationship with God and not just any God but Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And because we're made to have that relationship when you don't have it there's always the sense of something being just not quite right sometimes we recognize it in this life sometimes we understand even in the midst of the party with all the music going and all of the friends something's not clicking you know you can sometimes say well I was with my girlfriend and and I wish I was with the boys when I was with the boys I wish I was with my girlfriend because no matter what was going on, it wasn't quite right. Others think about it when they think about life after this life. Because anybody with two cents understands that maybe we get 60 or 70 years and then we breathe our last breath and that's it. We all understand there's something more. And that something more, that beyond, leaves that nagging discomfort of am I ready Am I ready? You see, when you have the wrong lens, everything is off. In a camera, in a telescope, they have several lenses. They have one by the eyepiece, and then they have sometimes two or three others, and then one at the end. And they all do certain things. They, they make that faraway thing seem close. But if you're looking through a lens that's wrong, then... No matter what you look at, it's going to be out of focus. And you and I know it doesn't take much to get out of focus, does it? Just a few turns, just having something not quite right. And maybe you've got, there are a lot of people that have a lot of the things of Christianity. They have church. They have attendance. They may even read the Bible. They may even think in their heart and mind, you know, People should love one another. You know, people should be generous. They should take care of the poor. But they don't have that saving relationship with Christ. They have this sense of right and wrong, but they've never experienced being born again. They've never had a heart change. And so they look through these these lenses and things aren't quite clear. They can kind of get the idea, but it's not with clarity. So some have a lens of prosperity. They say, well, if I just made enough money, everything would be all right. It's funny, isn't it? I don't know if you read the headlines recently, but uh, the lady who used to be married to Jeff Bezos, they got divorced. She got half of the goods, which was a lot of goods. Amen. (laughs) But she wasn't happy. She wasn't happy in the relationship. I'm not going, I'm not You know, I don't know who all did what and did the other. But it wasn't long until she found another guy, Seattle school teacher. She married him. Because all the money didn't make her happy. Maybe if I get a different guy, I'll be happy. But now the news is they're divorcing. So that lens of prosperity doesn't make everything clear. 
It doesn't make it all crystal clear to where, well, now I've got enough money. Now, sometimes when you don't have enough, you're wondering what it would be like to be able to just buy whatever I want to buy. Go wherever I want to go. Do whatever I want to do. Then not surely that would make a satisfaction in, in my heart and soul. But we understand from everybody else's experience, uh, I might not be able to learn by being the richest man, but I can learn by looking at the richest man and say, he's not happy. There's got to be something more. Some have the lens of prosperity. There are even preachers and churches that use their entire existence to use that lens. Saying if you just have more money, you'll be happy. But things aren't quite crystal clear with that, is it? Is it? Are they? All that money doesn't bring compatibility. It doesn't clarify the heart's cry. You see, sin, no matter how small it is, pulls our heart off of true focus. Because when we have allowed any sin to come into our heart... We've allowed something to be more important to us than what God said. Because sin is breaking the commandment of God. No matter what it is. You say, man, murderers are sinners. Would you agree? If you don't agree, I'm not going to have you over for lunch. Amen. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. Put on my bulletproof. If you don't agree, go out a different door than I go. Amen. Adulterers are sinners. You you better agree if you're sitting next to your wife. Amen? (laughs) Or your husband. You understand that. Well, why do we understand that? Well, there's a right and wrong, but God said, don't do it. And when we break the commandments of God, we understand that there is a, a break, not only in the relationship, the husband and wife relationship, there's a break between us and God. But it doesn't matter what sin it is. If God said, listen... Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So God said, listen, I want you to come together as believers on a regular basis to hear my word, to fellowship one with another, to show me that you count me important enough to separate and sanctify some time each week to come worship me. God said that. If I don't do that, I'm breaking the command of God. That's a sin just like murder is a sin. Just like adultery is a sin. Are you still here? Man, you are. Just kind of. So, preacher, we're, we're in conference mode. You got something to make a shout? Come tonight. Maybe Reverend, Hill, Reverend uh, Love will make a shout. I don't know. But yes, I got something to make a shout. Because when we remove the thing that pulls our heart off a of true focus, and things finally get in focus, there is that, ah. Now, we stream our services. And there have been times where I've gone back to look at the stream. I said, man, that thing is out of focus. Well, we start the service, and usually they go up there, and you have to wait for someone to stand here so the camera can get the, the, the reading on the person standing here. Otherwise, it'll get the reading on the, the drapes back there. And when the person gets up there, he's just a little off. And so they have to wait, and then they hit the little button, and it catches the person, and it puts it in focus. And then you look, and you're saying, yeah. Because if you have to sit there and watch a whole church service where the preacher is out of focus, you're going to be struggling. Amen? In the back of your mind, you're going to say, what's wrong? Why can't they hit the button and put it in focus? Amen? Why couldn't he say the word right when he announced his title? And that might bother you the whole time because it's not quite right. But when you get it in focus, you're like, ah. 
You know, that's what happens when you surrender to Christ and you say, Jesus, forgive me and save me. That's what happens when you invite the creator, the one that made you, the one that created you with a God-shaped void on the inside. And you say, come into my heart. And he sits down upon the throne and he begins to lead you and guide you. And there is a a certain uh, sense of I'm protected now. I've got God with me now. I know if I die, I'm on my way to heaven. I know everything's all right there is that certain sense of clarity. All is right now because I'm right with God. One man said it this way. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's profound, isn't it? But if you think about it, it's true. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Back to our example of the camera. If you focus on the drapes, the preacher's out of focus. Amen? The main thing, the person that you're trying to see or whatever, maybe they're focusing on the music person down there singing. The main thing isn't the main thing. The drapes are the main thing, but the drapes aren't preaching to us. Amen? And so when we get the wrong lens, a lens of prosperity or a lens of anything other than God being first in our life, things are off. A ship years ago, before GPS and modern technology, they used compasses. They used stars and navigation. And one time, a ship was pulled into shore and was wrecked upon the stones, the rocks. When they did the investigation, they found out that one of the shipsmen, one of the the guys, when he was cleaning around the compass, he used his knife. And as he was cleaning around the compass, scraping some of the stuff, the knife tip broke. He didn't recognize it. And that little bit of metal pulled the compass off. And they thought they were going one direction, but they ended up crashing Will you not be Christians or, or non-believers? Can we not recognize when th- something's just not right? And it's pulling us down a wrong direction. And there's that uncomfortableness on the inside. If you're a Christian, you start wondering, God, what did I do? It doesn't take long for God to show us when we've sinned. Thank God he's not hiding it somewhere saying, I'm not going to let you know what you did. But as soon as we come to him and say, God, I'm tired of this this, this break in my fellowship. I have no peace with you, God. I want it to be right. And so we come and, and God says, well, here's what's going on. You know, the way you talk to your wife, you know, the way that you talk to your husband, you know, the way that you are dealing with your son or your daughter, or you know, the way that you have put everything else TV and the media and the movies ahead of me, I'm not pleased with. The Bible said when David had sinned, the thing that David did displeased the Lord. You ever been in a house with somebody that you made upset? That's not comfortable, is it? And sometimes even if you say, honey, I'm sorry, that doesn't take away the discord right away. 
Sometimes it's flowers. One guy was there. He was at the, uh, the, the store, and he was buying flowers. And the other guy, another guy was standing there and said, what did you do? And he said, oh, I did this and that to my wife. And he said, what did you do? I did that. He said, you better skip the flowers and, and go to a ring. <laughs> you need to buy something a little bit more. Amen. <laughs> Flowers ain't going to do it for you, bub. (laughs) But when there's discomfort in the household, when there's discord, sense it. You know things aren't the way they should be. But what about when our heart is the house of God and there's a discomfort in our soul? The thing that David did, the Bible said it displeased the Lord. You can say, well, God, I'm, I'm going to give you money to pay for it. That doesn't take it away. Well, God, I'm going to attend church every week this week to pay for it. That doesn't take it away. Oh, God, I, I'm going to do good. I'm going to help old ladies cross the street, and I'm going to do this and do that to pay. That doesn't take it away. What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was sinless, and he was innocent. And he said, Father, I see their guilt, but I will come. I know what they did. I know their cursing. I know their anger. I know their hatred and their pride and their lust and their greed. I know that, but I'll come and I'll die for them. And Jesus went to the cross, and he was crucified and he went to hell and paid the price for us and after three days he rose again and he took his blood as a payment for my sin and he said father here it is for Devonshire's filthiness and then later on when I got to the place where I recognized I'm tired of being out of a joint I'm tired of being disjointed and not having peace and I said God come into my life forgive me I know I'm wrong there was blood there that could wash away my sins. There was blood there that could restore my covenant with God. And all of my pretty words didn't do it. But what Jesus did for me made a way for me to get back to the Father. And now there can be peace. Get ready, musicians. Now there can be a unity. A lens of prosperity doesn't make it clear. And sin, no matter how small it is, draws our heart off course. Selfishness, pride, anger, lust, they all pull us toward a destruction that we can't see in the short term. And here's the thing. An out-of-focus life unchecked and uncorrected can start to seem normal to somebody. A preacher's son was struggling with school. He's a bright enough kid, but he couldn't pay attention, couldn't understand. And finally, he got so far behind that the teacher said, you need to take him and see a doctor. And they took him to a doctor, and they tested his eyes. And they recognized he can't see clearly. And they got him a a pair of glasses. And the preacher said, when he put those glasses on, his face lit up. And he said, look, trees and grass. And everything was clear and in focus. And all of his problems ironed out. Why? Because now he could see clearly. 
You know, your problem isn't your wife, and your problem isn't your husband, and your problem isn't the amount of money you make. The problem is you need to get that relationship with God right. And when you get that relationship with God, listen to what God said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. When you get that right, everything can be made right. But it's up to you. Glasses, as I was sharing the illustration, I was looking at you, and I'm thinking, they're all out of focus because I don't have my glasses on. (laughs) Glasses are a wonderful thing, or contacts, whatever, to make you see. Now you can see a smile or a frown or sleepy eyes. Wake yourself up. (laughs) Now you can say, Preacher, God's talking to me this morning. I believe he is. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? They're going to start playing in 